one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love being trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers in ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bullshit saying the trap, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get them better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. Great to have you here. Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros has a full selection of trapping supplies, baits, lures, books, DVDs, snares, traps, everything you need to get going on the trap line. Go to CotsBros.com. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line. OnX has an incredible app you can uh, do all kinds of things on your phone. You can scout using aerial imagery, get landowner information, mark your trap locations, run routes, and, and record your tracks so you remember where, you, where to go to check everything and keep it all straight. You can go to onxmaps.com and get 20% off of your first purchase by using the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, at checkout. So thanks, Onyx, and thank you guys who have supported Onyx uh, and tried that out and are using it trapping. All right, I'm excited to get into this. I am just back from the fairgrounds in Windsor, Maine at the site of the Maine Trappers Association annual fall rendezvous. It was a great time, great time. I made it there last year, and I was able to make it again this year, and I'm glad I did. It was really incredible to get back together with a bunch of trappers had a lot of fun this was the first time that i actually set up a booth and i took the wife and kids so we had made it a family event we brought our little pop-up camper trailer and stayed there for a couple nights at the fairgrounds and set up a booth uh, sold a bunch of books and quite a bit of lure a few shirts and hats and stuff uh, trapping today stuff so that was a lot of fun and got to meet so many different people. Thank you guys for all the people that came up to me and, and thanked me for the podcast and the YouTube channel. It was probably about 50-50 guys that, that uh, mentioned the podcast and mentioned the YouTube. So uh, we're reaching a wide audience of people. And I, I was really shocked by the percentage of people that actually knew about Trapping Today uh, over there. Uh, people that I'd never met before. And uh, so it, it was great. It was really almost a little bit overwhelming for me. But... Had had a great time chatting, talking back and forth with you guys, new trappers, old trappers, people I've seen tons of times before, and, and a bunch of new faces, so it was good. 
Now, in the coming episodes, I'll probably talk a little bit more about the rendezvous and some of the things that took place and and all of that. But this, I really just want to get into the main, what I consider the main event for me was uh, the Trapping Today semi-live podcast that we did on Friday night or Friday evening. Uh, it was just a, it was an awesome time. So going into it, I talked with the vice president of the MTA, Brian Bernoski, about what we were going to do. And I, I really didn't have any uh, solid plan. I think I mentioned this before in the last podcast that I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do because I didn't know who was going to show up and how we were going to be able to do it and whether there'd be much of an audience or not and whether I'd be up there by myself trying to put on a show or if I could gather some folks. But Brian and a couple other people did an excellent job uh, of rounding up some of these guys and, and convincing them to sit around a table and talk trapping. And it turned out to be one of the best roundtable discussions that I've uh, been a part of. It was it was so much fun. So we had uh, a, a MTA roundtable with uh, five or six of us uh, sitting down and, and going back and forth talking trapping, as well as an audience that was there listening in to us while we were recording the show and asking questions. It was great. It really was. So uh, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. I'm going to get into it. You're going to hear the introductions of these guys. We had Frank Short, the MTA president, Brian Bernoski, the vice president, uh, Jason Vance, Coyote Trapper from Maine, who's trapped all over the country, uh, Billy Thompson, who you guys have, have heard in a previous podcast, several previous podcast episodes, Alvin Yates, we did a podcast with Alvin in the past, and uh, Steve Rankin. So, just an excellent group of guys. Oh, and, and uh, another guy that I had, had not been very familiar with going into it, Bob Wiseman, who is a, an old-timer trapper who has a, a ton of experience. And uh, so, so this group of guys, we, we went back and forth and uh, battered around different ideas, gave each other a hard time, answered questions, and really, I think, showed uh, our passion, our shared passion for trapping and uh, how it, it affects our lives and has made us the people that we are. So let's get into the MTA Roundtable podcast. And I apologize in advance for some of the audio. We tried to get the best audio that we could, but uh, some of the people were louder than others and some were a little quieter. It was hard to get it perfectly balanced. Uh, There's a little bit of background noise. We were outside under a pavilion with a little bit of wind and some check clattering and chatter in the background. But um, I, I think overall, I was nervous about how it would turn out. I think the audio ended up very uh very listenable so here it is all right you like them in trouble yeah yeah, yeah. you're is in trouble it, now is that a sit in this i don't know oh come yeah, on we got four minutes till we start i'd say we just get started oh yeah i say that we're good all right i'd say we're good Okay, we are not in the fur shed today. We are at Windsor Fairgrounds recording podcast. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you guys for listening in, and thank you guys for showing up here. It's great to have. We have a kind of a professional roundtable of sorts here from guys. Um, and, and of course, thanks to the Maine Trappers Association for hosting this event. Um, I am going to go around the table here in just a minute, but I, I maybe 
Um, either either Frank or Brian, does one of you want want to kind of just talk about what this event is all about and what MTA does? Frank, that's a that's a great idea. Why don't you go <laughs> why, ahead and do why that? Why don't we go ahead and do that? So Frank Short, the president of I'm, Maine Trappers Association. I'm president of the Maine Trappers Association, and we hold this event. We have since uh, maybe Bobby could help me out. How long? 1983 was the first two day event. I mean. Yeah, 83. 83. In Hudson, Maine. We run out of beer in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and you stayed for the whole two days? I, I, I was well, there. brought the beer truck in. Yeah, I, I, was, I was there. I was a kid. I remember going there to the Hudson. I was probably a few months old. You were a few months old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, this event, uh, it's a great opportunity for people to learn trapping. Get... Get them out there, get there. They've got vendors here to buy all their stuff. Uh, all these demonstrations, great place to learn how to do this. And I, I mean, I look, these guys here, that's where I've met them. I mean, I remember Alvin selling bait at Neil's 200 years ago. <laughs> and Billy, I mean, I, I've known him once a, a little while. <laughs> well, Bobby. You're, you're brave to admit it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great event. I mean, it, not only for all of those things for the education side of it, but just to just to get together. We don't, as trappers, we don't yes. get much time. I mean, if we're if we're spending much time on the trap line talking to one another, we're not trapping much fair. So I mean, it's a, it's a good event basically from the roots, which is we all get together, tell stories, tell lies, you know. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's a great event. I always enjoy coming. And uh, for guys, there are some guys that are here that don't even know what a podcast is. This is something that's relatively new. So, <laughs> so we actually have um, probably, there's going to be about 2,500, 3,000 trappers from around the country that are listening to this online or on their phones or whatever. And uh, it's a great way. It's something I've been doing for a few years now. And it's been an awesome opportunity to talk trap and connect people from, you know, you might be in this small town, and that guy's in a small town in Nebraska and Kansas, and so you know, all over the country that they don't really have guys to share common ground with and ideas and stuff. So it's been a great opportunity. So uh, I've had a couple of these guys around this table on the show already, and uh, we've got a couple of popular ones here, our two most popular. Um, but I wanted to kind of just go around and and uh, and uh, introduce yourselves and kind of what your role is in trapping and, and uh, I guess what 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 you love about trapping. Steve? Well myself, I'm Steve Rankin. I uh, obviously love trapping have all my life. I I buy a little fur, uh, just anything to do with trapping, I love it. Basically it's just it's my it's my thing. Yeah. yeah. And you sell wood stretchers and trapping supplies and stuff? Yeah, I have a trapping supply business and I buy fur and bear goals and pretty much anything to do with trapping, I'm interested. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I uh, used to look up to the guys like Billy Thompson here that used to do it. I always wanted to do it. Now I've got the time, so I do it. Yeah. Alvin Yates, your, your podcast and talking about coyote trapping was, was one of the most popular ones I've done. So a lot of people really enjoyed that. Well, good. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. My name's Alvin Yates. I, uh, I sort of specialized in, in uh, used to be Red Fox. And, uh, now you have no choice except to be a coyote trapper if you're trapping on land here in Maine. And uh, I've, I've done it a long, long time. I, I actually uh, started in the 1960s, and I'm still poking away at it. I made a lot of bait and lure back then. I had a 
Thompson. Hello, I'm Bob Kelvin. I'm 73. I've been in the lure business years ago in the fur buy-in, in the turtle business, and <coughs> eels, you name it, I've been in it. And I enjoyed it and I've lived a good life. Yeah. And I'm going to And you're, you're still doing it. You're probably one of the hardest working trappers I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, my dream in life was go north and become the North Main Woods Hermit, and I believe this year I'm going to accomplish Oh, great. Now, uh, Jason Vance, you, you're one of the guys that I would consider one of the younger generation. I, I, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. but uh, I'm 40, 47, so I'm about in the middle probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, my name's Jason Vance. Um, I do, I started out trapping, you know, a bunch of it, a little bit of everything, and then got into coyote trapping, and since uh, two years ago, I was, uh, 2018, I had the opportunity to travel out west with a couple people to uh, trap coyotes, and it's a whole different world out there, and it's a lot funner, so there's a lot more animals, so that's what I'm kind of hooked on now, traveling to different states, so last year I trapped uh, Maine, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Mississippi, so it was a little bit of a in each one and each state has their own different rules so it's kind of interesting to try to figure out those rules and Mississippi was one that was kind of crazy that they can set 330s on the ground and here we have to have them completely covered so it was like you're setting a trap out of water and it's you kind of you feel like you're like a like criminal you're, you're, yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like but yep so good deal now you ever left a boat over at Billy's Brian no <laughs> no I wouldn't do it I uh, yeah I yeah. so so you I don't know if you know this okay but we Billy and Charlie Tucker and I were sitting in Billy's camp there doing a podcast we were recording and this guy bursts through the door and starts talking and asks Billy to leave his boat there and he's going on and on about <laughs> trapping and I didn't know yet at the time yeah and uh, it was Brian of course and I had to delete all that out of the, <laughs> the show <laughs> yeah well yeah that might have been a little colorful so yeah yeah. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm Brian Bernoski. I'm, I'm, uh, I, normally, I'm used to being the youngest guy at the table, but Jeremiah's got me by a year. Um, so I'm the vice president of the Maine Trappers Association. I've been trapping since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, and uh, it's just been an obsession. It just, you know, this fall air moves in, it starts blowing through, and it just it's turned into this thing that consumes me it doesn't matter whether i want to do it or not now nah, i don't think i'm gonna trap and then before you know it you're 50 beaver deep and it's just an obsession it's a lifestyle and i do everything the work you know the the, the life i do everything to get to trapping and it's just like i said it's a an absolute obsession so who do we got here bob wiseman I started trapping in the late 50s, early 60s, 
And how old are you? <laughs> Maybe Bobby's probably the oldest guy at the Yes. <laughs> That's what I was saying. And uh, joined the Maine Trapper Association when they headed over to over to Crenna, Maine and had a one day event and usually the meeting consisted on whether we wanted foam or mesh caps and we all ate a big dinner and went home. And that was the Maine Trappers meeting. And it went on from there. Uh, started trapping Fisher when the price was, was $10 for the males and $15 for the females and then it went on to the prices get up to around $200 for the females and I spent most of my trapping career uh, trapping Fisher probably for 40 years until the price one year I had 50 Fisher frozen up freezer because the price dropped to $50 and, and the next year the price dropped to $35 and, <laughs> and uh, it just seemed to go on from there and then of course we got in trouble with the links and had to go to exclusion devices and people, a lot of people don't know it but it was either we use them or lose our trapping. Or we're done trapping, yeah and, that's right. Uh, even though it's a stream hardship we're still trapping. But uh, but I've held uh, three different offices: uh, president, vice president, editor in the Maine Trappers Association over the years, and still involved in it. And, and it's been my life. I worked 34 years nights on the railroad, trap days for Fisher. Now I'm working for the state. Uh, got a contract with the state to trap coyotes up in a northern northwestern part of Maine where the deer population is near zero and they're trying to get them back in and, and so it uh, just about pays for the fuel that you that you use up but yeah still keeps me trapping. Frank Short. Yes thank you. Uh, I started trapping probably in late 70s and, and <coughs> I think at first it may have been a financial incentive back then but, it, but I could never deer hunt. I was, I was left-eyed dominant. My dad, who could shoot anything from forever, couldn't figure it out. So I couldn't even aim a gun. So I weren't much of a deer hunter. I mean, I couldn't hit that pickup over there. <laughs> so I started trapping, and, and, you know, I caught a few coons, made a little money. The first animal I ever caught was a raccoon. And I rode a bicycle to go check it down in the woods. And I, I caught it, and I didn't know I couldn't kill it. It was, you know, I run back home. I said, Mom, I got to carry a gun. She wouldn't let me carry a gun. I was probably <laughs> nine or ten. I don't know. So me and a buddy went down there, and finally I got a fork stick, and I took care of you. There was just enough water. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think I just told a fellow today, he said, chain trapping has changed. Uh, I caught six foxes when I was in high school. I sold them for $75 a piece to a fur buyer named Bruce Gould, and I bought it two-year-old snowmobile. Wow. I <laughs> could amazing. sell, if I could sell six foxes today, I couldn't go snowmobile. I'd have to get done by noontime just to yeah. ride my snowmobile. Big ass, yeah. <laughs> for the fuel and the oil. Yeah. But it, it, it bit. It, it hooked on to me. And right out of high school, I worked for a wilderness lodge outfitter out in Route 9, and I went into bear hunting, and I met a man named Galen Rowland. And, uh, bear hunting kind of got into me. I never did it professionally from there on out, um, 
but I went into the Air Force, did four years in the U.S. Air Force, and come out. And every time I had leave, I scheduled my leave at in November because <laughs> I wanted to go home and trap. I always trapped muskrats on the uh, mainstream in Cambridge. It was the border of Cambridge and Ripley. I'd paddle a canoe up there and trap rats. Huh. I never beaver trapped. Uh, when in high school. Now, my brother and I got set up to go beaver trapping one time in Cambridge Pond, just north of Cambridge. Billy probably knows where I'm talking about. And it looked like an ice fishing derby because we got there about <laughs> about 8 o'clock. I think we got there at 8. And everybody's starting at midnight. <laughs> and, we, and we didn't even have a trap. I think we had, I can't remember what we had for a trap. So he said, yeah, I guess this isn't going to work out for us. My dad did do a little beaver trapping. but. We had the month of November. A lot of people don't understand. Uh, the laws we have today are a lot more liberal than what it was Absolutely. when, when yep. I first started. Uh, you had to check. It didn't matter what you were trapping. They were, you had to check every day. And you had the month of November, and that was it. Yeah. But, but for, and if you didn't check your trap first, someone else was going to check oh, it for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you that. <laughs> I can remember many a year, uh, New Year's Eve consisted of uh, not staying ice. up, waiting for the ball to drop. Oh yeah. But you got to get to bed. You got to get yeah. to bed early because we got to be up at midnight because we got to beat Harry Seekins onto that first floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We absolutely have to beat him I didn't because that's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. I didn't. And get we had we had a month to do it. Yeah. You know. I mean, I was knee high to a grasshopper, and my parents. I mean, they'd fry fry a parent today for dragging us out the cold like oh, that. Yeah. But I mean, we just lived for it. I, right. I and it just it caught, you know. And yeah. and my my dad was involved with Central Maine chapter, and some of the people I know here today were in, into that chapter at that time. I think we met in uh, Palmyra at the time, uh, and he became friends with Bruce Gould, and and. I got dragged along. We'd go to the, well, Hudson and Bethel and yeah, all the uh, conventions. Know, it, yeah. It, it just it bit, and it, I've always, always, always done it. it it's like I go to the bathroom. You got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got an introduction on everybody uh, around the table, and we got a good audience. This kind of rolled in here. So I had a couple of ideas. It, it's this is not really structured to any means, but uh, I I just had three three questions, three thoughts that I, I uh, wrote down. And I want you guys to just kind of have this in the back of your head. But what I want to do is because we got all these guys in the audience, uh, I want to give everybody an opportunity to ask these guys questions because we have a, a great opportunity to get some knowledge or, or maybe some funny stories and, and, uh, and just learn from, from a lot of this, this experience. So uh, first, I'm just going to throw these out. I'm, and some of you have already started to answer this a little bit, but um, number one is is why are you guys still trapping? You know we know that uh, things have changed so much. We have <coughs> fur prices are in the tank. I mean they've been down for years and they seem to be getting worse. Um, it, costs are up on everything, uh, inflation and fuel prices, and and we have all these regulations. We have more and more regulations in this state particularly and and nationwide that make it much more difficult for us to do what we've always done. So uh, what, what is it that keeps you going and, and why you're still trapping? So that's number one. Number two, what I know about guys that are, are big in the trapping is you're always excited about the next season. You know, there's the average guy that might trap or might not, but he's just not really thinking about it till you know, maybe a few days before the season or whatever. But you guys are all thinking about something. 
there's one thing that you're excited about for this season. I know I am. And, uh, and I'm curious to hear some of that from you, what, what particular thing you're going to focus on. And then number three, finally, what kind of advice that would you like to pass on to the younger generation of trappers based on your experience? So, so those are the three ideas that I have, but I want to give anybody that's in the audience an opportunity to, uh, to raise your hand and maybe ask, ask a question for these guys. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat the question yep. so these guys hear it. So the question was, uh, Jason has trapped coyotes in, in both in Maine and in Kansas and put up huge numbers. I think Jason, mm -hmm. Jason doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't like to brag, but he has caught a lot of animals. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so the question was, uh, in his experience, Kansas versus Maine, is the, the behavior different, or coyotes, uh, is it more difficult to trap them, or what, what kind of differences have you seen? I think it's more difficult to trap them here because they're less. When I go to Kansas, I mean, like last year, I did catch twice. I went out twice and I caught 400 coyotes. But there's 400 coyotes to catch there. There's more than 400 coyotes. But there's also they also compete for food. So when you set a trap, they're in. They're going to those traps. They're working them totally different because they're hungry because they're, they got to eat and then they got to go and they're always constantly moving. So they're burning their energy. So I just think they're easier to catch out there because there's more of them. But I think that somebody that catches a coyote here can catch, definitely catch coyotes out in Kansas. It's just the population is what dictates how easy they are to trap. So. I mean, it's got, we, we all know it. But, but you got to the have eastern, the eastern coyote is quite a lot different than that midwestern yeah. coyote. I mean, I can tell you too, here in the state of Maine, I still haven't got out in Kansas. I can set a trap barehanded. I can set a trap that's been dipped in. I use rust-oleum and acetone. Would I do that here for coyotes? No. I still do the old dyeing and waxing because I don't have the confidence that that's going to work here. Because, and I, you know, I just so that that is different there. Um, but like I said, I mean, I can, in Kansas, I can pull up, set a trap barehanded. I wouldn't do that here. I mean, I know people that have said to do it, but to do it in numbers, no. So I do think there is a difference between the animals. And again, it could be just because there's more animals out there and they're more aggressive as far as <coughs> eat, uh, the way they look. I do know that they chew. <laughs> Um, it's crazy to see that coyotes, I mean, they're more aggressive, they'll chew. But I also had one that looked like he had chewed, and then I caught him in the trap and by the other foot that he had gotten out of somebody else's trap. So they're not trap shy, I mean, by any means. They just want to, they want their next meal. So, so do you think that's um, a result of their, their territory is larger because they're searching for food than here in Maine? Because here in Maine, sort of, from what you've said, it sort of seems like they have a smaller range for their established territory than out west, where they have to travel great distances to... But out west, well, out west they don't really have to travel too much because there's a lot of feedlots. There's a lot of, you know, dead piles and stuff. So there's always food, but when they're on their food, they, they're fighting with other coyotes for it. Here... Um, just, I don't, I mean, our coyotes, I trap southern Maine, so 
the coyotes, they're easier to catch down there because they're in smaller parts of woods. Up north, it's totally different because they got miles to go. But I mean, like I said, where I trap in southern Maine, I mean, there's, it's basically trapping suburbia. I mean, yeah. they only got so many places <laughs> to go. Yeah, and that's a good um, thing. Maybe we can transition to that. I get a, a quick question for you guys. Maybe Alvin could, could hit on this. Is that the, just the challenge of trapping in southern Maine? You know, I'm I'm up I'm up in Arista County, and and uh, it's a whole different ball game, where you guys are dealing with smaller parcels of land, lots of landowners, and a lot of challenges there. So, kind of, how do you deal with that? Well, that's probably the toughest part of trapping down here is is getting permissions and keeping permissions. Uh, unfortunately, southern Maine is is losing open ground in and property way you can get permission to trap. We're losing it at a, just an astounding rate. And one of the, the single biggest losses that we are encountering is, uh, is dogs, basically. Everybody wants a place to walk their dog, and they, they prefer to do it on somebody else's property. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's amazing, I mean, it's, it's very consistent. And, uh, and, and probably the, the single toughest thing now is just keeping the line. If you if you can get the line, it's tough to go ask permissions all day. Uh, people you don't know and try to explain to them what you're doing, and uh, it, 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 it's a real frustrating thing. And, and like I said, as far as I'm concerned, that's the toughest part of trapping. Yeah. You can uh, you, you can use traps that are very pet friendly. And uh, so once you get permission, most people, most people never have a problem because you can, you can manage your line so that you have very little, very little interaction with people with their dogs and things. But, but you will have some. It's in, inevitable. Um, but you, what we use for traps now is typically do not damage any of any kind to a pet. It's just but, trying to explain still, that to people. Explain that to people. Uh, we've got such a demonized. We've got such a demonized issue. Yeah, it's so almost that that yeah. first hit. That first the hill to get over. Trapping has right? still not that changed, perception yeah. is is yeah. so demonized that that's the first hill to get over. Yeah. But I found. Teeth. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's just what I was thinking. We're going to use that big bear trap with the teeth for everything that we. Oh, absolutely! Out. I mean, that's the image that people yeah. have. But I mean, I found. I stopped last year. I was spring beaver trapping. Um, I stopped. I had a woman pull up. She looked at me. I'm down there, waist deep in water. And she looked at me. She says, "What are you doing?" I mean, she looked at me like I was nuts. And I stopped. And I started talking to her and her mother. Um, and I told them what I, I explained to them what I was doing. And before I knew it, it was 45 minutes later. I, I I've explained the whole You're not thing a talker, to them. Are you? <laughs> no, wait, they were talking. I, I I might like to talk. Um, but it was before I knew it. It was 45 minutes later. And I mean, they were as interested in what I was doing as as I think I could have got them. But you know, this is a woman who who pulled up and said, "Oh yeah, those beaver, they're gonna they're gonna try to drown me in my kayak." And and it, I, I was, wait a minute, no, that that's that's not the way that works, you know. And just you know, one thing leads to another. Once you actually start that conversation with these folks, I I feel like they're some of them, some of them, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Steve. Yeah. But once you you're start that conversation, get, there's a percentage you're never gonna. No. Right. Do you do you have much thievery? Hmm? Do you have much thievery? People stealing traps. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that because it varies so. But uh, 
but really no, I guess in the overall picture, no. You don't have a lot of it, but there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one is the methods that we fasten traps with now is, is far superior than the way we used to fasten traps. And uh, the other thing is you, the way that you manage your line, because you, you have fever in your mind all the time when you're working your trap line down in this part of the state, certainly. And uh, I go to quite a lot of effort to keep my stuff out of sight when you I can, can. You can use drags in southern rain. Well, you can. I, I almost never do until there's uh, snow on the ground and, and the ground's frozen. I can't mm -hmm. drive a stake. But mostly by line management and time management. You've got certain places that you have got to get through in the first two weeks before the deer season opens or else you're not going to trap them yeah. because you will not get your traps back. You will never keep your fur. No. So a lot of it is, is Bob, is, is line management. During deer season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Deer season is just... You don't have any trouble bird season then? Uh, not really. You don't have the bird hunters not, down not there? Not really, probably. no. We don't have the bird hunters. Yeah. That you do up up there in the big woods. I I've been up there again, and, and it, it's amazing to see these guys with expensive shotguns and beautiful dogs. And We're starting to see more and more of that. It's a major major problem on my line. Uh, bird hunters, uh, yeah. they're expensive dogs. They they get hung up in a trap, and there's it upsets a, them, which I understand. But there's, there's an out, there's an outfit out of Pennsylvania by. You. I probably caught one of their dogs. I've caught their dogs three or four times. But but if guys know what they're doing, I'm using MB 550s. They don't. The guy made a joke. He said the dog hurt me more than the dog was hurt. You couldn't even see where. Well, I stopped to warn them. I said, "Geez, man, I said, I know you're hunting, but I have got traps all over these potato fields." He goes. Yeah, yeah, I know we've taken three or four from off our dogs, <laughs> but they were nice. They understood. Yeah. They under, they, that's yeah. a big thing. Is just them knowing what's yeah. going on. Yeah. itself yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. One, one yeah. of the things that I've found it, I, I think when I started trapping, it was a little bit like you, you kind of wanted to hide, and you see someone out in the woods hunting, and and uh, you don't want them to know because they oh, well, they're going to steal my traps, and they're gonna, not going to want to like what I'm doing anymore i've been starting to just stop and talk to them and say yeah, yeah. i'm a trapper you want to see what's it because yeah, I, I think that image if you if they can put a face to a trapper then when when it comes up later on they think i met that guy he was a pretty good guy you know yeah. and, and he took the time and and talked with me and maybe trapping's not all that bad yeah so. and that's a, that's a huge part of it is is you know people have this preconceived notion that we're all just bloodthirsty killers i mean and I've, I've sat in Augusta, I've sat on the other side of the aisle from folks that, I mean, were just as passionate the other way to this as we are the way we are. And, and at the end of those conversations, I mean, you, you can find common ground, you know. So it's, it's, it is, it's on us, I think, to, you know, to, to start those conversations, like you said. Yeah. You know, some, I, I people, saw, some of them are not going to. Yeah, you know, I you saw can't Brian, waste time but on the that. way I explained what you started to say was take 3,000 trappers and at a big get together, or take 3,000 people at a concert and watch the difference yeah. of what goes on between the fighting and the, all the things that go on. The trappers are most generally just decent people, somewhat civilized, <laughs> right? <laughs> somewhat, you know, somewhat. I was going to say, I saw you turn that lady, I can't remember what meeting we were at with the department. And she was dead set against trapping. I, I, 
by the time he was done with her, she was going to marry him, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a silver tongue. Everybody thinks yeah. I talk too much, but I've got a silver tongue. And I mean, no, but that's, that's you know, that's one of those instances where, you know, I, I extended my hand across the aisle and I told her, look, as much as, as you think you care about animals, I, I would be willing to pit that I care, care about, about these animals more. ten times more. And yeah. I, I love every one of them. And, and, you know, when it was done, I mean, like Frank said, when it was done, she, she walked up to the back of the room. She said, I might never agree with what you're doing, but, but I, I, I absolutely thank you for, for having this conversation with me. And it was, it was really, it was, you know, groundbreaking to, to see that. Some, somebody come up to my booth today, and I don't know if it was the first time here or they're relatively new, and they said, you know, it kind of struck me today watching these talks that, you guys are the ones that are really interested in conserving these animals. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and, and Absolutely. People, people, is, uh, people don't seem to get that. No, and it's it. not. And that's the thing. It's like that's that demonized view of, of trapping is, is you know, we, we're just those bloodthirsty killers. We want we to want see to everything, everything die. Yeah. And, and if that's that was not the, case, the case, then what would we do? We're right, gonna, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to catch it all. What am I going to do next year? The biologists you know? rely on on us to give them information on every yeah. species yeah. They, they, they we are do the footwork for them yeah. yeah yeah and most good trappers if you go into a place and you take out like two female fisher you're gone you you're gone get out yeah. Of oh, yeah yeah most good trappers. you manage you your line it is yes it is it is fur bearer management at at, at yeah. the absolute i mean it's the pinnacle of fur bearer management yeah. Absolutely. You know, we nobody wants to set in and catch all of something because then we can't do it again next, next year. year. Right. 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 I can't right. go in next year and do the same thing <laughs> I did this year. Um, so so nobody wants to catch it all. Yeah. Billy, I mean, Billy yeah. tries. <laughs> but <laughs> when you work for the people that we work for in Northern Maine, yeah. if you didn't catch as many beaver as you they don't think you you've caught. They yeah. don't think you're doing the job. They don't want you back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to please them as being the landowner, so you might over trap it, but you'll never over trap the beaver in no. northern Maine. No. It's, it's like coyotes in Kansas. The ranchers want you to take every coyote yeah. that's on there, but it's, you're never going to do it. It's water in northern right. Maine. There's some species that you cannot do. And the whole no. state of Maine, actually. Yeah. Unless yeah, something the, I mean, dra beaver. drastically changed in the fur market. <laughs> yeah. I think we'd all be yeah it's that. the fur market really has changed the outlook of trapping here in maine and now all, all over the country and uh, we're seeing a lot of hobby trappers more so than longliners like billy yeah. and jason and bob they were at, at yeah that used to Alvin. be pretty you know and, and numbers you know everybody wanted to brag about numbers i can't say that these guys except for jason i know he does <laughs> <laughs> you know we all want to brag about numbers and and uh the only number i brag about frank is the price i get paid for my beaver as compared oh God, to the price you get paid for yours. <laughs> that's the only number i, I brag about it. i just <laughs> Did, did, were you guys, you guys were worried about having enough to talk to? <laughs> that was one question. Do we have another question? Did you have? What is the bill? You still got boots for sale? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Representative Paul Quinn, right? Yeah. Um, what is the one thing, the first thing you do when you get 
federal government should do to get out of your life so you can enjoy your life and your work? Oh, that's an easy question. You never ask a, a smart person never asks a question they don't know the answer to. Federal, federal government? Well, I'm going to see Paul tomorrow, so. I think, I think there's, there's one Canada links. Yeah, the federal Absolutely. government basically. Yes, the, the state ought to be able to manage their own wildlife. The state needs to manage their own wildlife. So right now, we have the Canadian lakes are in danger. So we have to go by federal guidelines. We have what we call an incidental take permit. So we have to follow certain rules and regulations to be able to trap these animals that we want to trap, partic the, particularly the pine martin and the fisher. The permit is a federal. The federal yes. federal government issued the state of Maine uh, basically the right to incidentally take up to three links. I think over a ten year yes. period. Fifteen year period. Fifteen, 15 year, year period. period. And <coughs> but with the conditions that they they had to abide by these regulations that the federal government approved. And, and so the, the effort now is to delist the links so that the state can manage them as they manage every other species. What's Sam's yep. position on that? Sam's? I can't honestly speak for Sam, to be quite upfront with you, Bruce. Um, I, I think they stand behind us. Oh, yeah. we, we've, uh, absolutely. Sam, Sam has always worked great with the Maine Traps Association. As we just, as we just stated, um, you know, Jason kind of talked about it, kind of hit on it. You know, species in different parts of the country. Um, you can't you can't lock the species in Maine in with the species in, in right. different parts of the country. Yep. It needs to be. You know, to say to say state. that because the lynx is federally endangered, that it's endangered in Maine is just not the case. That is not the in case. This, in ten right. years ago, the science was established that lynx were not endangered Absolutely. and they needed to be delisted. But the process, the federal process, has just been right. stuck. It's, right. Thank yep. you. Thank, thank you. They, thank you. Uh, they caught 17 lynx, uh, mostly in canine traps, last year. In that small area that I trapped alone, I caught six last year. And as soon as you catch a lynx, you have to go somewhere else to a phone, which I'm in an area that there's no, no reception for probably 50 miles. So I have to go to a checkpoint or a forestry uh, place, use their phone and call. Usually, the, the usually the phone conversation ends up in Bangor, and that's a four-hour ride to my area to release that lynx. Only the biologist can release it and, and, uh, push, and run in a full-day trap line. It restricts you heavy because you have a 24-hour tendon loss. And then the issue, it's, of course, sorry, don't interrupt you, Bob, but we are trying to check those traps early in the day before the hunters are out in the roads. And, and, and if you're stopped for four hours, someone's going to go by and shoot another animal in your trap or, you know. And, and is this a main regulation to implement the federal law? Yeah. So, so the page intersects this space also. Yeah. Looks right. This is this has absolutely changed since uh, what was two thousand and two thousand and six. We got the permit in two thousand and fourteen. We've been to federal court twice, federal court of appeal once. Back when Lepage was governor, 
He wanted to sue the federal government over this, but Chandler Woodcock talked him out of it. That was so, right this has changed the face of upland trapping in the state of yeah. Maine. This singular issue in, in half of the state of Maine has, has changed the face across the state of, yeah. of upland trapping. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it has really it's killed us. It, uh, it hasn't killed us. We're still hanging still, on. Still we're, hanging. we're hanging on. <laughs> and it, and it's, but uh, it's really kind of hypocritical because those 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 method, methods that we used in the past were able to take the larger male fisher that have taken over yeah. the North Main woods. Right there, and, and everywhere. And we cannot take those animals as easily with the methods that we're using now. And they are, I think, uh, twenty percent mortality on lynx is because of the male. Efficient. The number one, I believe, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but the number one predator of the animal that we're trying to, the animal that we're trying right. to protect because it's federally endangered, uh, it hinders our ability to, to trap the number one predator of the animal we're trying to protect. Right, that's just what I'm getting. Do you trust the state of Maine to be able to regulate this if the feds get out of you here? You would on this issue, like every other issue. Right. Mm. Uh, so. we, we yes, we work with. Yes, it's one of those cases where the MTA has an ongoing relationship with with the state, and I think and they yeah, can work I think on we could probably too. steer them in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's that was a great. Oh, question. that's a great question. Because we we overlook it. We always assume that you know that right. that everybody knows this, but it is it is an important issue for everybody to know about. Thank you. But they're not dealing with the same issue that we are. They have, they have, they have chosen different approaches. Different states state. have yeah, state. different states have chosen different approaches. Right. Uh, I've I've done the research in Colorado and Michigan. Same animal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's, it's just, all it's, about yeah. It just depends. It's just like wolves. Wolves in the right. Midwest are more protected than wolves out west. It's Absolutely. just because this, the demographics, the, right. the political leanings of each particular state. I would yep. like to add, I believe there's four states that have told the federal government that we are going to manage our wolf population. But there is also, but there are also that as many states who have said that they're going to manage their lands. Idaho, Wyoming. Not sure, Wyoming. Wyoming was the first holdout, and Montana. and the, the they everybody thought Wyoming was crazy. Montana and Idaho kind of gave in a little bit, and then Wyoming actually ended up winning in court because they had the data to show that right. they. And then Idaho and Montana, Montana were given the right to to manage their wolves. Right, and, and things are going. Been, they're they're do very. They've been very effective at properly managing those. Absolutely, wolf and, and, and you know not only that, but they've also. I mean, I think the same states that right. we just listed. Those are the same states that said no. We're going to manage our lynx population as well, and they haven't. Yeah, I think seen you're right. That's but that's all lawsuit related because right. they didn't get sued. Yeah. So, they, but they, I yeah. mean. It, Oh, oh my God! Look at what absolutely. they've done to that industry. All right, so let's move on. How about more questions from the audience? Yeah. Beaver trap. Three thirty or submersion set. What's your favorite? Oh, 
Oh hole. my God! Who wants to take this one? There's device no. Device are you asking 330 or foothold? Yeah, or a foothold. 330 versus foothold. Jeez, Billy, I'd <laughs> probably be a pretty good one to answer this. Billy, answer this question. Which one is the best? Yeah. Footholds. Footholds. No. Right. Come on. <laughs> You're wrong. Stop and think about You're wrong. Stop and think no. No, that's an old mentality, Billy. You put you put footholds in the water, and you catch beaver. That's an old mentality. I put tra I put uh, corner bears in the water, and I catch beaver. And they yes, it depends but they want to save the water during every the set time. has its spot, Billy. It depends on winter or spring. Right. You asked a very well. I mean, if we're talking submersion sets, we're talking spring. <laughs> Billy, you're wrong. And I'll I'll I have no problem stepping up to correct Billy here. There is a proper set for every spot every you stop. Right. They all there is a proper spot. set we for every both. stop you no to doubt. say. Well, that's true, but that's not my question. Which is your favorite? <laughs> uh, what he's asking is. My favorite is the proper it, set for the stop I right, have. If you, if you had right. one trap, that one trap, it's either a, a 330 or TS-85, say. What would you use? 330. It doesn't. I. I the I would have would to use, say would use three thirties because they don't know how to set a foot. Trap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with Billy. Listen to <laughs> that. That foot trap. If you if you figure the foot trap out and have you good gear, you're going to catch people. Water, no, you an animal. no, you. That is completely. Wait a minute. You put I'm, all right, Steve. I'm waiting. But we shouldn't yeah. probably say that because the andoys listening will take away the foot. Yeah, trap. they don't really listen. <laughs> Now wait a minute. You put your foot trap away in the one of Who catches you four do. or five hundred beaver in the spring? And, I, and now wait, and you're telling him how to trap. Now come on. <laughs> I'm not denying that. I'm just saying I that it. I think the proper advice is that there is a, there is there is a set for there every stop. Well, you kind of see where I'm coming from here. I can. <laughs> he also trap. I mean, geez, the guy starts trapping. I don't know about mid-February, and don't stop till May. One more thing on that. What's that, Billy? You catch a beaver in a foot trap, he drowns, and there's no fur damage. Right. You a catch point. a beaver in a corner bear, and there's always those broken fibers in his back that when they tan that beaver, the hair falls. And I can contest as a fur buyer. They had us. I got my hair from <laughs> I, So I that, that's you. one of those questions. The best answer is probably it depends. Yeah. It depends. I, I one thing about Billy Duckbeck. And I've spent quite a few different stops in Billy's camp, but Billy's pickup in the driveway, and it's been beaver season. I do not believe I've ever seen these pickups when both pieces of iron were in the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, there's a proper yeah. set for every stall. That's right. Whatever it is. Oh, I agree. But if you had one to choose from, I'd. I'd rather have see, and, and I can I see where I can see where Brian's coming from because because I'm not I have not mastered how to exactly set poles. I I've, I've taken advice from you and seen your sets, and I'm getting more confident. But it, it, I'm more confident than <coughs> 3:30. Yep. It, and, it right but now. I bet this, But I know I know ninety percent of the new trappers today cannot catch a beaver under the ice with a foot no. trap. Yeah, not today. Oh. All right, we're getting less controversial yeah. questions. Yes, yeah. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. They work too slow under yeah. the ice. They don't know how to read a flowage either. They can't walk onto a flowage, these new guys with ice on it, and read a flowage. <laughs> they wouldn't know how to do it. 
<laughs> That's a pretty good question. Do you guys, anybody around here, want to talk about um, when you go onto a beaver foliage in the middle of winter and you haven't scouted ahead of time, uh, obviously you say you got ice and you got snow on top of the ice and you know where the lodge is, pretty obvious, um, but everything else is kind of like covered in snow and there's sticks and trees and everywhere. Um, what do you look for and how do you read that? And decide where you're going to set your traps. So you look for your runs and just quite often you can tell your runs the way the, the way the, the alders cave in, yeah. you know. They kind of make a tunnel. You can spot your runs easy. But yeah. Uh, once you get to know how the alders lay and everything else, it's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, certainly. And of course, that's when you leave your foot traps to home. Yeah. Three thirty caught a bear under the ice in a run is probably the most effective oh, trap. It's deadly. Yeah. Deadly. But I've had, I've had beaver. I've had beaver around. dig around them. But oh, absolutely. And I mean, and that's the thing is is you can't. And that's probably you. T you talked about what's the best advice I would give uh, a young trapper, or we would give a young trapper is I I would tell a young trapper don't get so hung up on on well billy thompson told me I, I should do it this way and steve rankin he, well he said i should do it this way and jason take all of it take all of it be so open to this information i'm the trapper i am today because i listen to guys like billy and i listen to guys like steve and my father and i'll take the parts and pieces of what Frank tells right, me. Right. Not much. <laughs> not much of what Frank tells me. But How about my fur handling more, skills? Your fur handling skills are terrible. Um, but listen to guys like Bobby and walk into these circles and just just be a sponge yeah. and absorb it all. And, and understand there's no there's no right or wrong There is way. no right or wrong yeah. way. Take all of it. I want the best of what Billy's got to offer me, the best of what Bobby's got to offer me, the best of what every person here has got to offer me, and I'm going to make myself a far better trapper than all of them. <coughs> And that's and that's the goal. That's the goal. We do want to make the people that are learning from us better. I mean, Absolutely. Think, especially as you get older, you kind I of agree with you there. Yeah. Any, no. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody in this you group know, using like, drones? But the question was beaver floages. Oh, that's a good. That's a good question because I've used Google Earth to look for them, but it's usually outdated. Mm. But using yeah, drones to anybody, anybody? What's that mean? Using drones to look to scout for beaver floages. Because it'd be way cheaper I than a plane. I think it's a hell of a way to do it. I don't, I've never done it. I was watching Jerry Bailey play with one at Neil Olson's show. I know, right? And that man, thing's got... Wow, you can stop at a brook. It's Zoom that thing up the brook for a ways and you can see everything. I think it's Imagine the right, walking you could save. It's going to oh, yeah. be... Right, the, he's got like what, a be mile radius tool. on that. It's going to be in the north. Yeah, yeah, okay. The drones. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can go a mile. Yeah, I think I think Braley I think Braley told me that he can he can set his phone to to basically home, and he can go a mile in any direction. And it'll come home. And then and then basically say, okay, I've got the information I need, and come home, and that thing comes right back to us. So that's technology is scary. That could be the next the next generation. It's going to be the next. What else we got? Questions? Yeah, right here. Nope. Yeah. So, what might be an example of a thank you that you would offer to a landowner uh, if you trap, got a permission from them, and then you trap on their property? What kind of seriously? A, a, okay, a let me repeat the question for yeah, so guys. Oh, yeah. um, the the question was what what would be an example of a good thank you for a landowner that you could offer for allowing you permission to trap on their property? 
I feel like a Christmas guy. If you really like the place, send them a Christmas guy. Show me appreciation. That goes a long, long way. Show, show them their results. Show you yeah. your results. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I agree. That's what I do, right? Christmas cards. Yeah. To Let them know that you did well. Tell yeah. them what you did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, one, yeah. Ones that are real important, I, I uh, make sure they know what I did. Yeah. And I put in an ex you know, a real yeah. sincere thank you yeah. for allowing me on their property to do this. Yep. Now, Jason has kind of a unique one because he went cold calling in Kansas and just knocking on doors and getting permissions from a bunch of different people. Yeah. And even this year, a bunch of them, being from Maine, they all want lobsters. Hey, when you, when you come out next year, can you, can you bring me some lobsters? Well, it's a 32-hour trip. I don't think they'll make it. So the person that lets me stay at their place for free, I just last, two week, uh, last week I sent them. 10 lobsters in the mail, it was 300 bucks, but it's a thank you saying here, let, you know, for letting me stay at your place for, a, for the uh, six weeks. You got more than 300 bucks yeah. out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, One I, thing that goes a long way still in this country, and it's probably the two most underused words in the English language, is when you're all said and done and everything's wrapped up, stop and say thank you. Yep. Yeah. Very few people, especially the younger generation, do that anymore. But it goes a long way to a lot of people. I, I found, you know, a lot of these places, it goes unsaid, but I mean, it's carry in, carry out. Um, you know, they don't want you making a mess on their property. But I make it a point, you know, if I'm using somebody's property and, and you're using their roads and using their gates, if I go in and... Jeez, you know, I found or somebody dropped something off because we see more and more of that. Everywhere we go, you see more and more where somebody dumps something. Oh. You know, I'll pick it up, take it out. And, and it's not even, it's, it's kind of unspoken at that point. You know, I've had farmers come up and be like, geez, you pick, you pick up that fence line? Um, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I picked that up and I, you know, I put it out in my garbage last week. Oh, geez, we appreciate that. You know, those those types of things, you know, I'm not looking for any, I'm not looking for any, you know, any notoriety about it. I, I'm just trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? So we, we just lost a piece of property due to people. For years, they would dump their garbage, mattresses, whatever. And they finally gated it off. Yeah. And then posted it. And it I, was one of our places that we coyote on. It's the most frustrating thing to to go to a piece of property that you've been utilizing and have a great relationship with that landowner and go to a piece of property that you've been using for years and all of a sudden there's these posted signs and you and you go rolling into the driveway to say, hey, uh, something changed, I just wanted to check in, talk to you and and they're like, no, no, we're not gonna let, allow any access anymore, you know, people have taken advantage of us and." It's the most frustrating thing when when you're trying to do the right thing and trying to be a good sportsman, yeah. and and have somebody take that away from you. So yeah. you know that appreciation factor that that's huge. Another thing that I would add is um, one of the biggest challenges we all have as trappers these days is time, especially guys that have a full time job and they're trying to trap. And I I think a, a, a lot of these landowners they're generally older people. And they have lots of time, and they just want someone to sit down and talk with them, really just listen to them. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, I, I find that absolutely. just it, it's frustrating sometimes to sit there and let someone talking to you for half an hour and telling you the same stories they told you last time. But it goes but it a means, long way. It I does. I just had one no. that just he and his wife passed away just in the last year or two. And 
I mean, they looked forward to me to come and talk to him. I mean, I, I knew if I went there, I'm going to be patient, take my time. <laughs> yeah. But that's absolutely. Yeah. Um, and his uh, brother, I trapped down on Eastbrook on their property. They, I had a camp. I actually had a camp that I leased from H.C. Haynes, and and this guy's nephew bought all the property, and he says you don't have to pay a lease anymore with me, as long as you're trapping beaver and hunting bears. I mean, he's a blueberry guy and a logging guy. He says, as long as you're trapping beaver, you can stay there forever. If you need another place to stay, I got a place for you. I mean, they're a good land owner. They're a good man. But that's the, the big thing, too, is, I mean, a lot of what falls deaf on the younger generation is we've evolved into this generation that, that doesn't do the face-to-face. -face. Like, yeah. we, we won't talk to someone face-to-face, -face, but if I can text them, oh, I'll say whatever, right? That, that real genuine, hey, I really appreciate access to this piece yeah. of property. Like, that, that's huge. Because it's not common, it goes Right. Yeah. It right. goes a long yeah. ways. Yeah. Right. The young generation had a question. Did you have a question? What you mean? What is the best animal? Their favorite animal to trap? Oh, that's a great question. All right. So, do we want to maybe go around the room quickly on your favorite animal to trap and why? Uh, I guess coyotes, simply because I, I enjoy the challenge of it. They're a very crafty animal, and, and they're a handsome animal, and they're they're uh, also I feel I'm helping some of the other animals because a, a coyote eats a lot of meat. So coyote coyotes for Alvin, yeah. yeah. Otter. Otter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were here. I thought you were going to say beaver. Well, beaver's second, but I love catching otter. They've been my downfall with the state <laughs> over the years, but they were always worth more money. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you're trapping, you've got to pay a gas bill. That's right. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie about it. I love to catch order. <laughs> I love to handle them, too. It's nice to see that black, long black tail when you come up to a, <laughs> to a beaver oh. set. <laughs> beaver set, and you see that tail yeah. sticking up as you catch that long tail, so. I catch a lot of coyotes, but I otters the same thing. I mean, to catch them because they are kind of crafty too. And I mean, they they were always one of my. It took me a while to catch one, and but once you learn them, and they got to be easier to catch. But yeah. otters still a. You walk up and you see that tail sticking up. You know, it's like oh, you got one. So. I I guess I. I would have to say whatever the target species is. If if I'm setting oh, that's a trap a and I that's set it. a trap, that's he dodged it. Out. Dodged it. <laughs> he right? does that. I like to catch it all. But it took me probably no, it it took me thirty years. I was I was thirty years old. My entire family had caught a bobcat. I mean people in my family that didn't even trap had caught a bobcat. <clears throat> um, before I did. It was ridiculous. I mean I would go out it, and everybody all around, oh, bobcats are easy to catch. And, oh, my God, it was awful. And I finally caught my first one. And now I just, you know, snow comes and I start seeing cat tracks. I love chasing cats. And, boys, don't we have a lot of them around where I'm at. Just, oh, it's, it's pretty awful. I guess I'd have to say bobcat in Arizona. Oh. I uh, trapped out there, I guess I was out there 12 winters, but I trapped about eight. 
And uh, to see a $400 cat in a cage really would turn you on. Uh, and there was a lot of cats out there. Uh, I had a friend that, that I was right on the California border, and he was in California, and he caught over 100 one year. And his cats averaged a little more than 400 apiece. Wow. So there was, you know, it make you make you feel like you wanted to trap. Yeah. <laughs> I like the otter, too. I mean, I love trap beaver because I'm good at it. But like you said. Good at it? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Hold on. Don't even get started. I talk, talk about catching them. Hey, let's move the conversation <laughs> along. Uh, and, and I target otter, too. I mean, I yeah. talked to a young fella here today somewhere. And uh, it, it, I like trapping otter. Well, I'm going to have to say it. Order, I agree. It's, it, I love trapping order, but it's still going to be the coyote. I, uh, something about a three-acre, a 300-acre field, and I'm trying to get a coyote to step on something the size of a 50-cent piece. You know, it's something about it. You know, 50 years ago, whether this means anything, I'm, now that I'm getting older, it means something to me. But as far as they know, I'm the first guy in the state of Maine to catch a coyote. Oh, really? And now that I'm getting older, it's does mean something. It's like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. They call them koi dogs back yeah. when I was 15 yeah. years old. Yeah. And I looked out across the field one day and I said, oh my God, how am I going to get that German Shepherd out of that trap? <laughs> <laughs> that's back when we were using the number two, the old square number two. Jaws. Square jaws. And I kept Victor's. finding my jaws ripped out of my trap. Oh yeah, they they're were hard on those traps. Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. when I get out to that, what I thought was a German Shepherd, I'm looking at, well the tail's Way too big, and it had no testicles. <laughs> a German Shepherd's gonna have some testicles. <laughs> and I'm going, hey, well, man. Well, unless it's a female, Steve. Hey, man, that's one of the. Ah, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I says, dang, that's one of them koi dogs. And it's a little bit of a long story, but it's good. Uh, Dan Taggart was my friend by back then. Remember Dan Taggart? Yep. And well. he told me his way of killing, taking care of a fox, trying not to draw blood. You're gonna get more parts. I don't agree with that today. So I'm out there with a trap that don't hold, and I'm trying to hit it with my trap, <laughs> and I miss four times. Now the thing's not trying to get away; it's trying to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> I finally connected. Thought the thing was dispatched, so I put him in the back of my old Ford pickup truck, the old gas. It'll come to life story. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So I went to my next trap, I had a fox, and I went to open the back door, and the old coyote was at that plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought the cap. I'm Good thing you had a money. cap. <laughs> so I had to bring the cap to get my pistol in to shoot away from my gas. <laughs> so when I sold the coyote to my fur by Dan Tag, he goes, it's the first one that's ever come in. I've never heard of anybody actually catching one. So now that I'm getting old, it's kind of cool yeah. that I possibly caught yeah. the first coyote in the state of Maine. You know? when, yeah. when was that, Steve? 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Yeah. Early 70s. Yeah, it was, it was exactly 50 years ago. I was 15 years old. So just got my license. 72. Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Now that I'm getting old, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's pretty cool to be the caught the first one, really, you know. My favorite, my favorite's Martin. And it's simply because, well, it's the first animal I caught trapping. And, and really because Martin, Martin live in wild country, high elevation, thick forest. And uh, that just, that kind of is, represents what I like. 
I yeah. like I like a remote country, you know, old yeah. growth forest. That's changing though, isn't and it? And it's changing like crazy, but um, yeah, that's why I like Martin. So, more questions? Yes. I got one more. How do you guys use trail cameras, if any, to help you scouting the way you trap locations, or do you use them? Never. Don't. Don't. Okay. No. The woods will. The woods itself will give you the sign you need. That's absolutely 100% Scouting is very important. You see a lot of fox droppings. You know there's a lot of fox. You see coyote droppings. You see otter toilets, beaver chewings. That'll give you all your... Yeah. Absolutely. The question I, was trail cameras. How, how do you guys or do you use trail no. cameras? And most of the guys shook their heads no. They no. don't use them. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that piece of... Like, that's... It's almost like we're, yeah. we're trying to shortcut that. Like the beauty of this game is getting out there and figuring it out. Like Steve said, you know, learning the signs, like knowing what you're looking for. And, you know, it's almost like we're trying to cheat it with, oh, well, if I put a trail cam up and, and, I, get, and I get a bunch of pictures, I know I can go trap this animal. But today, if they're trapping a bear, it's pretty pretty. The bear trappers, they, they all got cell all cams. Got That's oh, yeah. yeah. They use yeah. them. And yeah. That, and they plugged right into their phone so they get a call 10 o'clock at night that they got a bear hung up. Yeah. I know. And, That's and how it simple it is. Yeah. But, it, but it you can't, it's not feasible when you're, you know you're going to, how many locations are you guys going to set? Oh, you know? Hundreds. I mean, you, you just can't cover enough right. places with a trail camera. But I wouldn't want to. No. I wouldn't want to. I will say on the trail cam, if, you, if a guy wanted to do it, it's really interesting to set up a good trail cam on a set that you have a trap set that you know is action. Yeah. Just to see, see how, how they, they learn. learn. They, learn, they, how they learn a lot how the they come in and which, yes. which, They don't really just walk right up to it, step in it, do they circle it. That's really helpful to have a trail cam. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. For the education por yeah. uh, portion of this, and I think I'll agree with that. Will be different, yeah. so. But the rest it. of it, I just, honestly, to me, like, it cheapens it. It cheapens it. So no, what just, we do. It's just another tool in your bag. What are you guys' thoughts on on the importance of location and uh, your ability to be a good judge of proper location? Location is key. Yeah, getting back to because I, I, I think a lot of a lot of really seasoned trappers, you stick them right in the middle of a spot and they can look around to tell you where they're going to set that trap. Well, Jeremiah, like for one thing, I mean, like coyotes and fox. I know Elwood, you're going to agree with this. Anybody, if you Walk into a field and something pops out at your eyes. The first thing, yeah. That's, that's what they're The same thing that yep. kind of pop out in the criticize. Of the edge, yep. travel. It, it could be a, a stupid Christmas tree. Uh, right. A rock, rock, big rock. A rock. They're going to they're gonna have it, you know. You that get, just comes with it. You get a bird. sense for feeling like the animal. Because you smell you like you have to know exactly <laughs> what the animal is thinking. Yeah. And that's part of the game. But absolutely, Billy. I could. I. I mean, I. I literally feel that in my bones, that statement. And my father told me a long time ago, if you wanna, you wanna catch a mink, you make yourself as big as a mink. You know, you wanna, you you got to, you gotta put yourself in that animal's yeah. shoes, and and figure it out and and see it like he sees it. Two inches of snow will give you more. Guidance on how to trap that any video you can ever watch. Absolutely. Go out and do it to someone and watch where they go and what they do. Yeah. All, all the trail camera is another tool. 
It will educate you to a lot of things that you never, never could imagine. In particular, yeah. like these guys, approaches a set and like where they're saying, yeah. exactly how it works a set. And, yeah. yeah. A lot and, of these people that are telling you that, no, we don't use a pure camera. Individually, they use a pure camera all the time because two-thirds of our scouting is done by word of mouth. The neighbor says, oh, this is the coyote over here, or the park is over here, or whatever. Mm. And that's because he's seen them on his field camera that he's got out trying to find <laughs> the deer <laughs> So Wickham's talking about second-hand trail camera scouting. Right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all the, hunter, all the hunters and landowners that are, are seeing them. Someone joked about that one time. He said, I don't need to scout. I got scouters. I get I got scouts all over town. They tell me when they get a fisher coming into their backyard. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, a lot of places I get permission from people because they know I trap. I've been yep. doing it a long time, and they'll come and talk to me. Say, oh, can you come to my place? You know, you know there's an animal yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the house cat place. hasn't come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good one. For instance, I have to know for a fact that he trapped up in the same country where I do now, and I guarantee you that when he's looking for mountain, one of the first things he does is talk to the bear hunter that's hunting the area he wants to trap. And how many mountains are you seeing on your bear base? Last I, I don't have to talk to him. They talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's talking about what they see on their bear base. Right. Yeah, You've absolutely. Got, it's, yeah. It's yep. all done for you. Yeah. Got them trained, Jeremiah. You've got them trained. Yeah. What else we got for questions? This, this is. Yeah, good. we got one over there. Yeah. You did, you did the podcast uh, about the influences Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to find out who these guys. That's because these guys would be on. That is awesome. That is a great question. So, so I did a podcast and I did it on YouTube and it got a lot of feedback and it was, um, and I think you recommended it. He he, he talked about trappers that were influential in your life. And, and whether it's like really famous guys like Craig O'Gorman or whether it's your grandfather that taught you. And so I did a, an episode on who is your Mount Rushmore of trappers. So who are like the three or four guys that to you are the biggest influence in your trapping career? So I don't know if we have time to go through three or four each, but if you guys could maybe talk about uh, who influenced you in trapping and, and had the greatest impact on your trapping career. Who wants to start? Well, uh, on, on coyote, fox and coyote, there's a, a man named Ardell Graw. Uh, he, he lives in uh, North Dakota. And I went out and I met Ardell in, I think it was in 1973, <coughs> 72 or 73. <coughs> uh, I don't remember how I heard of him. At that time, he was catching about <laughs> 600 red foxes every year, and uh, that was a, a real impressive number at the time. At the time, I think there was only one man, and he was a man named John Smith, that had ever caught more in that same period of time. And John Smith was in Iowa, and he trapped, uh, I think it was like a thousand and fifty or sixty foxes in a 60-day period. But, uh, I, and I, I wanted to meet John Smith. I spoke to him on the phone one time, but uh, unfortunately he had, he had his own personal feelings and, and was not able to continue uh, trapping. Uh, but uh, I had heard about Ardell Graw and his catches were just at that time so impressive that 
I determined to meet him. And to do that, I drove a 1968 Scout four-cylinder three-speed <laughs> stick with no radio from Maine to uh, uh, first up into Michigan to go to a, a National Trappers meeting. And uh, from there, I, I drove out across Minnesota and in, in Ireland, just over the North Dakota line, and drove out that thing out there to meet him and, and uh, took a trapping lesson and uh, stayed over there too. And, and he was he was certainly the most influential in, in my ability to catch fur, at least. You know, I mean, I always had the interest, but uh, he was he was my teacher at that point. And. Uh, and, and he's the only one. Well, I, I did take a lesson off from Johnny Ford one time. I thought that would be more, much more appropriate for the for the country that we have here in, in central yep. Maine, western Maine, because the Adirondacks are, are quite similar to that. But uh, but but Art Elgrow was a master teacher for boxers and coyotes. How about you, Billy? Oh, my father. My dad was like a grandfather. That's kids and he trapped all during the depression and everything in an old camp up in off the Golden Road until he was 40 years old, 44 and he got drafted. But after us kids were born, he get, he'd give up trapping to support the family and he got me into trapping when I was probably five years old. I'd ride with him on the dog sled. We had a dog with a sled and he'd trap a few beaver nights and weekends, and I'd ride in the dog sled all covered up, and I could, I'd be tickled to death when he caught a beaver. I had to, you know, do everything. And then I, I was the big beaver trapper at that time, <laughs> you know, but it was great. Yeah. Just going with my father, and that then we trapped all through my high school years and everything. From the stories you told me, your dad was one of the legends that no one ever knew about. That's right. He was, he was the Johnny Thorps and the Adele Growers of the North Country. That he was the type that would never tell anybody anything. Mm. That was you that know, way back then, anyhow. Yeah. And uh, good trapper, made good money, and kept quiet about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Facebooking. <laughs> no. Oh, no. And you're better off today if you're that way. Yeah. 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 How about you, Jason? That's what I'm trying to tell these guys about advertising on their cell phones and stuff with all the pictures. You're, you're actually hurting yourself because it's Very bringing so. people into your area. <laughs> well, I don't know how many people have been pinched because they do something oh. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Put something Own on worst enemy. I like to talk after trapping season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree to that, Billy. All right, Jason, Jason Vance. Um, well, I got I got into trapping. None of my family. I'm the only one that traps in my family. Um, but I got into it from a kid on a school bus that had a fur fish game magazine, and I got it. And then once I got into learning about trapping, I found that there was a local trapper down the street that trapped muskrats. So I got with him and talked with him, and you know he kind of showed me this and that. But a lot of mine was teaching myself, you know, and. But, like you say, back in the day, I mean, some of the guys down in the club that I used to be at, they were tight-lipped. I mean, there was people like Avid Cole and stuff. Those guys, you ask them, nope, they're not going to tell you. you got to find out yourself. But So that's what got me into it. And So basically, I was self-taught, but some of my 
the people that I looked up to back in trapping when I first started was like Carmen. I used a lot of his lures because he was fox trapping and stuff. So, yeah. um, and then over the years, you know, I mean, even like right now, you got YouTube and everything else like that. But some of the big coyote trappers that I look to now is like Ed Snyder. He helped me yeah. out and can't, you know, to get into Kansas and. I talked to a few other people out there to try to get into there and they just, oh, you don't want to go out there, there's too many people, but, you know, he was one that would say, here, go out, just go knock on doors, you know, and, and that's, you know, so, but that's pretty much. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> he was my, I mean, he was, so, he's dad, um, but, you know, not necessarily for the reasons that everybody else that didn't look up to him. You know, I looked up to him. Obviously, he's my dad. I mean, I looked up to him like every dad. You know, every kid does to his dad. But at a certain age, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but when I started, it was it was honestly just to be better than him, and and that was the drive. And then that kind of evolved into something like it was. Like at first it started like I'm I'm just gonna be better than him at this, right? And it's that teenage drive to be better than your father at something. And then it evolved and then it evolved into a connection that I mean, he's my best friend. I talk to this guy. I I wouldn't normally admit this, but for the podcast I will. I talk to him every day. I mean, and it's just, it's a connection that we have now that's, it's crazy. So, Meyer Mauer Rushmore, I mean, yeah, they're, they're the Braley's and the Thompson's and the Bruce Goulds. Bruce Gould. The Frank Shorts, <laughs> I, I guess. Really? <laughs> I mean. Are you serious? What? <laughs> I mean, you're way down there, Frank. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if I had to say one person that really, I mean, drove me, that the greatest it was, yeah, it was Whitcomb. Good. It's good. Don't, I mean, don't remind him of this. <laughs> yeah, but I gotta tell you. Oh, Jesus, here we 25, go. 25, 26 years or whatever, he's been trapped and he's still trying to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> for those who haven't heard, this is Dad talking trash from this game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. How about you, Bobby? Well, I started out in the 60s. Uh, Fisher was, was uh, getting real popular in my area. My folks never trapped, and, and uh, I started correspondence with New Hampshire. They had the season before we did. And Malcolm Locke and Noel B. Stender both were catching 100 fish a year, and, uh, and they perked my interest, and, and I started, uh, started gearing up for fisher in my area. And never got 100, but I got close to it several times. And, yeah. But uh, they kind of was the influence. And this Noel Stender, he was a person that wasn't very well known, but he only lived about four or five miles from this mountain lock, which a lot of people knew over the years up in New Hampshire. And uh, he developed a lure that was candy to those fisher. I could go into an area where there was white leg horns down around Belfast sticking in every tree, <laughs> Get in the middle of them and set this up, and every time I went back, the fisher was in my trap. It was just amazing. I've never had a law in my lifetime that, that I had, had the respect that I had for that law. Yeah. But it came out of New Hampshire, and 
And the first year we trapped Fisher in trees, because that's what they was doing in New Hampshire. I trapped the whole season and it was illegal. And the game ones didn't even realize it. We weren't supposed to set Fisher above the ground, uh, Fisher, oh, okay. uh, corner there's yeah. above the ground. Huh. Went to the legislation the next year and, and, and uh, the Fish and Wildlife Committee all accepted it. And it was just an easy matter to get the law changed. Today you'd fight for yeah. you'd fight for years <laughs> to get a law changed. But. How about you, Frank? Well, it, I guess my Mount Rushmore would be my father, but there's a lot of footholds and uh, foothills in the. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a guy named Ronnie Rockwell. Like, and he dabbled in it a little bit, and I chummed around with his kids, and uh, he kind of planted the seed. And my dad said he trapped a little bit when he was a kid. And I think there probably some financial backings. I mean, fur was worth a lot of yeah. money back then. And my fondest memories of my dad was getting up at 3.30 in the morning and going checking fox and coyote traps. And the 1973 sky blue, the same color as the sky right now, Datsun station wagon. <laughs> he, he, oh yeah, we'd have the stupid, he'd never drive a pickup. He'd have a car, we'd Mazda GLCs, we'd be trapping in them stupid things. And, and, <laughs> and we'd get stuck all the time, oh, yeah. hung out. And, and I remember we caught our first coyote up above there going up in Parkman, and we were pretty excited about that. But he didn't spend the money for the gear that he should, so he had a lot of sprung traps. We were using, <laughs> he wanted to use wooden stakes for coyote, and we'd, wa we'd drill a hole through the ash stake, we'd get him up in Hatland and drill a hole through it. And I thought, yeah, I'd hate it, I'd get mad, because you'd pound it in there and the freaking thing would split. <laughs> and then we'd wire it together. Well, that. <laughs> Why the trap chain? Dumb, dumb, dumb. But uh, he he got the ball rolling and he got involved with the Central Maine chapter of the Maine Traps Association and I got dragged into these meetings and, and I met people like Billy who came and tra uh, cut wood on our property and, I, and you know, Bruce Gould. The stories I've heard about Bruce that. Bruce Gould, we'd go to his place about every Friday. We never handled fur. We just take you know, it. You that's something we ought to mention in Bruce Gould. Yeah, this name. Oh, that's out. a Bruce but that's a podcast for itself. Yes, it is. Like Joe Baldwin said, it was like when you went to Bruce Gould's to sell your fur or to buy lore or trap. It was like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It was an education walking in there. Yeah. I can remember being a sixteen-year-old kid. Did you ever need it? Oh. Course, and he would tell course. you the reason why you either needed it or you didn't need it. Right. <laughs> yeah. He won a heck of a nice guy. Oh. Yes. I mean, he and my dad, my dad cared a lot for Bruce Gould. I mean, that they were, they became friends. I don't. They were miles apart. Uh, Joe Baldwin. I remember because they, my dad and him, were pretty much the same yep. character. They were both from out of state, well educated. And, Actually, Joe Baldwin is what put this association on the map. Yeah. When he took over, this place, this association took off. Yeah. I remember Jerry Braley. He he was one of three lobbyists. Yep. In New England states. Yeah. New York and New Jersey, I think, was the other two. And Joe, he started the lobbying, and that really brought us in. Yep. It saved us a lot. Rankin, who's on your Mount Rushmore? He did a lot for the main trappers. Well, it was funny. I was, uh, nobody in my family trapped. And again, you know, I have to say it's my passion. It has been for all my life. 
But when we were kids, it was the world was different. Mom, once the chores were done, we lived on a farm. We could go. There wasn't always what's going on today. Mom didn't worry some some pervert's gonna be down by the brook. And so when the chores were done, we could go. And uh, when I was probably 12 or 13, I kept running into this guy in the woods. I was scared to death of this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, his, his name was Mark Carver. And, and we were scared to death of them. There'd be dead animals and hanging out of trees and, you know. And, and, uh, what witchcraft is this? Doing, you know, and, and I said, wow, this is cool. And then I was down by the brook and oh my God, look, they had a mink and a muskrat. It's just like, wow, this is really cool. And I just wanted to get into it. And uh, I got so obsessed with it. My father was nuts. He says, what do you got, muskrat blood in you? <laughs> <laughs> but I just fell in love with yeah. you know. But to watch that guy, you know, it, it, you know, and then I met Dan Taggart, and he taught me how to trap a fox. And it, he took me down the field, and we were using them darn wooden stakes. <laughs> I can't even. I can't fathom why we did it because yeah, it was cheap. But well, it was they cheap. didn't have these disposable stakes like they got today. No. We they had rebar. No, I didn't. They didn't have, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have coyotes. So the antagonist no. taught me how to trap a fox, and I went all season no fox. So he comes back to the farm and he says, "Steve, I want you to show me what you're doing." He was very nice to me at first. Now, holy crap! What did I tell you about betting that thing? <laughs> oh, geez, now he's being mean, right? I'm 14. And uh, so now, you know, it was a good education. And, and make a long story short, I remember back then I would walk for miles trapping. And I was up in Limerick, I mean, and I'm going over this hill and I see these two black ears. And I said, dang, that looks like a fox. When that fox jumped up, it was just like yesterday. It was 50-something years ago, but it's just like yesterday, so I'm like, God, I got my first one. And I just totally got fucked. Yeah. 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 All right. Stranger. So yeah. we've got about 10 minutes left, and this has been awesome. This has been a great roundtable here. Um, maybe it'd be a good chance to, to go around and ask you guys, uh, if you, like in all your experience and the trapping that you've done, let's say you had one thing to leave to the next generation of trappers for advice. Um, or thoughts, what would you tell them? Ooh, that's a tough that's one. A tough one. Oh, that's why you're start. Well, <laughs> I, that is a hard question. I think just I, patience. I think just enjoy the enjoy, enjoy the it, have sport. fun, and have patience. And that's have right. fun. Don't worry about the money part of it. Right. Uh, I can say that if you haven't gone out in the six inches of snow and seen a fisher hanging out of a tree that you did, you, you know, I, 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 that's my advice. And I think parents are wrong today not to at least give their children the chance to see if they would enjoy that. Just yeah. because they don't, I know it's not the topic you asked, but to me, that's a really bad thing. Parents should let the children decide whether this is good for them or, or, or not. Don't you agree with that? Oh, yeah. 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 That is a tough one. It really is. Steve, pretty close. Uh, you know, about trapping, uh, embrace the moment because yes. uh, none of it lasts. I mean, none of it lasts. The, the animal populations come and go, prices go up and down, uh, the price of gas and vehicles and traps goes up, it seems like. <laughs> it doesn't come down. 
but if anybody is into it and and uh, and has a specific animal they enjoy catching or something, they should really they should embrace that moment because it will change. Yeah. What do you think, Billy? I agree with them. It's if a kid wants to get into trapping, let him do it and let him enjoy it so that he understands better what it's all about. The more he'd enjoy something, the more he's gonna, or she, there's a lot of girls in trapping now, yep, which is good, yep. but the, the better they can enjoy their life even, it's a, it's a shot in the arm for life. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's a good explanation right yeah. here. Yeah. I, I would say I like that. that a lot of the, the guys that I've talked to say, I wish I would have done this. You know, I was waiting until I was retired so I could have time to trap. It, life wait. is so busy when you're working, but you really just need to make the time for it. Because yeah. yeah. don't wait. You, if you wait too long, then your body starts to give out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't wait. What do you think, Jason? Oh, I think the same thing. I mean, like with me going to Kansas, I went over it in my head, over my head, to travel. To do you just got to do it. Go have fun. I mean, do it while you can. Um, the other thing is a lot of people expect, think that it's easy. It's not. I mean, you need you need to have patience. A lot of people, I've bought their trapping supplies, and, oh, I tried to trap coyotes, and I'm all done. It's not. I mean, it took me five years to catch a coyote. I, tra I started trapping them at 16. I didn't catch my first coyote until 21, but I didn't give up. It's just, you know. It's, it's a lot of patience and a lot of waiting, and a lot of times you don't get that instant gratification of, you know, catching something. And that's, that's why I see a lot of people get frustrated and they don't want to do it because it's not as easy as what they thought it is. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree with that. You know, we, we live in a world where if it's not instant gratification, it's not something I'm, I'm interested in. But just, you know, maintain an open mind. I get out there and do it. There's there's nothing like it. Oh my God, there's nothing like it. <laughs> Hanging up that first piece of fur, right? And I mean, I know some of us are a lot further away from that first piece than than others of us, but these guys I still mean, remember it. It's, yeah, you know, you no, still remember yeah. that. Oh, that's, that's the thing is, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make. You know, Billy will never forget the first otter he caught. You know. Bobby will never forget the first fisher he caught. Just that perseverance, stick with it. It's so yeah. worth it. That passion, if you have that passion for it, stick with it. Don't let anybody rob you of it. Just stick with it. Keep going. Ask the questions and just go. Oh, it's so worth the ride. Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah if you do have a child that, that shows a desire to do it, uh, my feeling is you should guide them to something easy. Don't don't put them in the canines right off quick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let them get discouraged. Yeah. Start them out on rats. Uh, yeah. Something fun and, and a lot of and uh, and develop it from there. You know because it's real costly to to gear up. You know the canines. Yeah. We have a different incentive to trap today. Uh, I think a lot of us started you know, for financial reasons. You know, holy smokes, you make some money. No doubt. Yep. No doubt yep. about it. Yep. Uh, and it, it, it bit and it grabbed hold. Uh, I've got three kids and, and I took them trapping. I took, 
actually Deborah Palmer. She was a, for one of the she was the first main game warden, and then she worked down east. She came up to me and says, "I think you need to get a school bus to go trapping, because <laughs> <laughs> I'd have all these kids, you know, I'd have <laughs> Luke friends and you know, and, and my buddies." kids would be coming and and my son was an excellent my son Luke was an excellent trapper Garrett never really he he kind of went my but my daughter's the biggest outdoors girl now and she wants to trap a bear right now I've been and I'm hoping maybe she can we'll see what happens uh, do it for the sport of it and, yeah. and the love of it yeah oh yeah yeah no don't do it for any other reason that's right <coughs> don't do it for any other reason love it Love it. Enjoy it. For the sport and the love. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here and taking part in this conversation. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. And I hope you yeah, guys did fun. too. So yeah, keep on talking you. trapping. Keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Hey, hope you enjoyed that. I think that is going to go down as my favorite podcast episode that I've done so far in the however many years that we've been doing this. Uh, that that was just great. I really enjoyed it, and I I think it was it was something unique and different that we hadn't done before, and I'm really pleased with how it turned out. So, thanks again for listening to the podcast. As always, trapping season's getting closer, guys. Time to get that stuff ready. The final sponsor of the show is the Trapping Today Store. TrappingTodayStore.com. Check out uh, all the offerings we have, but mainly I want to talk about lures. It is that time of year to get stocked up on lures. One of the neatest things that I'm seeing recently, th- this season especially, is the number of repeat orders from guys that have ordered lures in the past year uh, or two years. People are, are reordering, and especially when you're selling only four ounce bottles, it, it, it could take a long time to actually use up an entire four ounces of lure depending on your trap line. And uh, considering that, I think it it is really encouraging to see that people are reordering stuff. To me, that's uh, an indicator that folks are, are enjoying the lures. They're working for you, and uh, you, you're happy with the results. I get lots of lots of pictures and, and messages from guys that have used Trapping Today lures. So uh, I'm glad to do that. I'm glad that things are kind of picking up a little bit, and, and more people are finding out about the lures. Again, there's no magic lure. There's nothing special about these. They're just good, solid formulas that are proven and tested uh, quality ingredients and just uh, good consistency um, of, of product so uh, if, if you do need trap and lure please check them out at trappingtodaystore.com and thanks again until next time keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping we got a lot planned for this season uh, not only in my trap line but also uh, for podcast episodes so keep tuned uh, in tune and we'll catch you on the next episode that's my little one-year-old in the background making a little bit of noise and he's actually playing with traps right now so uh, we're gonna get things ready and and uh, get these traps all ready for the season and uh, I think it's gonna be a fun trapping season all right take care guys